we have to do annual checkups with the homestay program uh, that we're involved with, which, you know, when she busted out the slide 45 minutes in on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I definitely knew that me and Sarah didn't need to be anywhere near this meeting. Like, we kind of know to not starve our kids. It's almost preventative in a certain way, because they are college students, a lot of them. So, I mean, that it, I think you're kind of, like, you're helping them out in more ways than one. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially because, like, you know, our attitude is kind of like, okay, this is America, this is freedom, experience it, food is in the kitchen. The the rules are the rules of the jungle. <laughs> you will be strong and survive. All I right. will say we are we are one of the only host families I know of who takes their students to the gun range. <laughs> mm. It's a very mm. American experience. Welcome to Brokusatsu, two brothers' exploration of tokusatsu shows and associated media where one brother makes random guesses that turn out to be annoyingly true and it really annoys the other brother. I'm Harry. And I'm sorry that you missed the obvious thing that was going to be happening this episode, Harry. I was, I mean, okay, there's implications when we get there, but like, uh, I mean, this is interesting in other ways, but I was really hoping for like the... The human followers of a machine god, like that—that that seemed like a really cool concept. Well, we're probably still going to get that, but I mean, these these guys, Harry, these are the first. These are the first baddies. Like this is the first like twenty episode baddies. Around episode twenty one, we'll start to see that one of them's gonna die, and the other one will turn evil or or good. Uh, I'm I'm guessing that'll be Jin. He'll turn evil or or do you think he's gonna turn good? I don't know, I think Jin might have a face turn. He he felt, for like that one episode, he was trying to save that other human gear. But then doesn't that make it more likely that he's going to be the tragic death around episode 20? I'm not sure. Oh, uh, we should probably go to the actual episode for... Oh, I, I'm Lobo. Sam, I think we skipped that part. Yeah, I'm Sam. Oh, hey. Sam. Uh, so, Kamen Rider Zero One, episode 8. Should we recap what's uh, been happening on Kamen Rider Zero One? For that's not something that we do very often. We just kind of dive right in. Uh, I mean, we we just had a whole episode that was recap, but like, I mean, it's not like it's super stretching in this one. We start off by meeting a new interesting human gear that was around just long enough for me for me to get attached to before it turns into a stupid robot they have to kill. The angel in white, Mashiro, who is a nurse human gear. Yes, the shortest jump yet to a sex spot. Aruto is at the hospital getting a checkup, and uh, Mashiro is doing stuff. She lifts him up to check his weight and his blood pressure, and she also, she apparently has x-ray eyes, which seems, like, pretty dangerous. Human gears are OP. Also, by the way, uh, this style of, like, medical bot in uh, Japanese hospitals, legitimately 100% a real thing right now. Like, yeah. they don't exactly look human, but there are, you know, there are lifter robots and ones that can do these basic functionalities currently in a lot of hospitals. I mean, they bring it up. Uh, as Izu explains to Aruto that part of the original vision of human gears is their use of the medical fields. And, uh, like, they they have dispropor- disproportionate presence there 
kind of as a result of that. Like, and yeah, it's it's an evolution of the real life desire to use robotic assistance in medical fields. Uh, Aruto expresses some very strong concerns about uh, HIPAA regulations and patient privacy. What are the few smart decisions for uh, data management in this series so far? Medical human gears have private networks that they uh, use to access patient records, and they don't connect jet out to the general public. Yes, and shockingly, this is this felt a lot like you know some kind of Shekhov information to be coming back later in the episode. It does not, though. This one also kind of feels like a two-parter. Like zero one, I'm noticing has like the soft two-parters. Uh, it well, Sam, did you not? What do you mean it doesn't come up? Like it comes up literally immediately. Wait, what? Like, okay, so first of all, I was super happy because little assassin shows back up. Hey. Yeah, the assassin that got, like, severely uh, underplayed the, the previous episode. He just kind of waddled around and turned into a dodo and did nothing. He was kind of a kooky character, and I was sad that he was destroyed so quickly. But, because, uh, as Horby explains later, these human gears can just be recreated from the data. So, he's back. Uh, little assassin uh, tries to hack a nurse. He gets the hacking tentacle thing into her neck. But, after a second, it just keeps walking, and it doesn't have any effect. Little Assassin has to go back to Hirobi and say, yeah, it failed. Uh, their their private network means that we can't connect them to metsubojinrai.net as easily. Okay, I guess I missed that. I I, I kind of read that, that he put like a tracker on her and he and that was going to come up again. But yeah, whatever. Jin is talking about to Hirobi saying like, hey, how many humans are there anyway? And Hirobi says, 7.7 billion. We're going to need more friends. We're going to kill the ball. Yeah. So, our next target is the Ames agent Yabayua. The villains have realized that who is the competent hero in this team. Yeah, the villains are actually showing a little bit of initiative and some uh, smart target selection. And her being like a female common rider, I immediately got very concerned for her health. The, the lady in question is talking to her mysterious boss on the phone, saying like, yeah, we've got new data, and we are proceeding in our development of the Giger Project. Mm-hmm. So the Gigers are autonomous weapons, like run <laughs> entirely by AI, that are designed to connect to robots en masse and convert them. By the way, they're giant fucking mechs. Yeah, like they, they made Sentinels run by <laughs> AI that can hack into human gears really fast. Mm-hmm. And they're choosing to deploy them against a terrorist organization renowned for Hacking AIs and corrupting them. This couldn't possibly go wrong, Harry. We developed a gun that shoots ourselves in the face. <laughs> yes, and then we left the door unlocked and we informed our enemies that we did so. Uh, so, Aruto, he's back at the hospital and he's making a bad joke, saying this hospital is just what the doctor ordered. Mm-hmm. Izu searches for laughter, there's none found. But that they hear a chuckle, and it's our angry cop Fua. He is therefore a physical, and he is very prejudiced against all the human gears present. Like, this is a hospital, like, they pan around. There's almost there's almost more human gears than humans in this particular hospital. Like, they actually have a proper a proper staffing of, like, a human gear to patient. Yeah, and Fua is sneering, and he's really dialing it up for this one. He's shouting, like, this is that full of damn dirty human gears. And when Isu points out, Hey, they're statistically better at providing treatment. He says, whatever. It. What about my feelings? Uh, side note, humans are awful doctors. They misdiagnose and mistreat all the goddamn time. 
we should very much look forward to AIs taking over hospitals. And pretty much everything else. Yeah, like, uh, I've said it before and I've said it again, like, if the premise of the show is robots are better than humans and they should take over, I'm okay with that. I would prefer it to be like a peaceful takeover where they just let humans die of old age, but whatever, man. You, you do you. do you. Uh, There is a scene where a pregnant patient takes a dive and uh, human gears just duck into place and, uh, and protect her. Yeah, it, it's Mashiro, the angelic nurse, and yeah, she's really nice and everyone loves her. But Fu says, it doesn't matter. If, if she starts to become self-aware and a life thing, I will shoot her in the head. So her becoming self-aware now... The previous episode, it was finally revealed, even though it was kind of obvious, that Himagiris were becoming sentient. And the ones that were becoming sentient were the ones that were being targeted by Metsubojin Rai. Aruto uh, makes the logical leap, wait, if if this Himagir is becoming sentient, then she's going to be targeted. Maybe we should scan her. Uh, he does start coming up with that, but there is there is an important scene, like, first. Uh, is this where we realize that the giant mechs are supposed to control, like, armies of rampaging human gears? Uh, Yua is looking at the tech in the Ames lab and talking about how they're, in theory, supposed to hack the hacked human gears. And she's going over some final preparations to bring them online when the facility is attacked. Yeah, again, entirely predictable. They should have known that this was going to go wrong. Like, Harry, if, if you were designing a giant mecha... To, you know, hack into, like, it's, like, they're titans, and they could create their own, like, screening forces, Harry. Like, these things are the perfect machines to just fuck over society. If you're fighting AIs, you don't create weapons ran by, run by AIs. You you make, like, a mech that you put a person in to fight. Like, the, the hospital, like, the, the lack of these people being able to, you know, get uploaded and, uh, in rapid fashion. Like, that is a good defense against rampaging AI. Just segment them. Don't yeah, put like, them into a single network. <laughs> cloud computing, it's the problem. <laughs> but the other problem is a bunch of angry, like, human gear showing up to this facility and all transforming to fight. Yes, so the assassin turns into a dodo and is much less of a punk this time. Yeah, he's got big uh, wing blades, kind of like the one from the bat. And you was like, oh, you're better like you're and uh yeah Hirobi explains yeah he he's upgraded after every fight hmm. he's gonna become annoying real quick isn't he now harry did the show forget that uh this assassin was hacked by you the just the previous episode i don't think it forgot i think it didn't matter too much like didn't matter too like mm. harry like she he was in her control for an entire episode well, yeah, but, like, the stuff that she did with that, like, she was getting some data, but also a big thing that I think may end up coming up is that uh, Jin was able to retrieve the Dota key, but he didn't get back the Mammoth key. So now the good guys have one of those, like, little, the villain uh, things. I suppose so. I suppose so. Uh, but yeah, the Matsubo Jinrai attack, like, they get inside, uh, is outside fighting Dodo as lightning, and... Uh, the the terrorists, they're stealing a lot of briefcases and just wandering around. They see the Geigers. There's an ominous scene. And then they leave. Yeah. And at, Yua asks as they leave, what are you after? Why are you using human gears to attack humans? And Harpy says, it's the will of the Ark. Which is something that Yua knows what it is. We don't yet. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, after they get out, Ewa runs back into the room. She says, oh, thank God they didn't touch the Geigers. Oh, Ewa, I thought you were the smart one. Still, relatively speaking, she's still doing pretty good. Like, she, she knew exactly what the problem was. It was like, did they do this? Okay, apparently they didn't. So now we get the scene where the nurse is uh, getting scanned by Aruto and Izu uh, to determine if she is gaining sentience. And uh, they're scanning her brain, they're scanning her programs, and even though she's displaying some human tendencies, uh, Izu is saying, hey, everything looks fine. Uh, Aruto starts wondering, can human gears have hearts? And Izu says, no, that's, that's impossible unless they achieve singularity. Yes. Is this the first time uh, someone has pointed out the singularity on the show? Uh, in the first episode, Metsubo Jinrai says we're going to use the power of the singularity to uh, use human gears to attack people. So they've known, but it's just now the heroes are knowing. Oh, it makes sense they would know. They're living it. At this point, the cops burst in and are real big jerks. Fua immediately demands to shoot the sentient nurse. Yeah. Uh, Yua says that if it's operating outside of Hiden's designations by being sentient, then it, it's breaking the law and it needs to be, it needs to be you know, scrapped. Then we get a call. It turns out that Metsubo Jinrai is attacking the hospital with the fucking Geigers, of course. Like, it wasn't even, this wasn't even five minutes between their attack at the, uh, at the weapons research facility and then using the robots that they had determined were not hacked. Yeah, like, it's just walking up to the building, punching a hole in, and hacking into the private network. And what follows is a, a multi-way fight between, you know... All three of the uh, heroic common uh, riders and the two oh, villain common riders. You're skipping the moment that caused me to swear on Messenger at you for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the final terrorist uh, reveals that he's a human gear. I guess I brushed over it, Harry, because it was just so fucking obvious. Uh, I I was hoping it was something different. But uh, now that it's confirmed that Hirobi is a human gear, he takes off his hat thing and they all have their ear technology. Hirobi is really advanced. Like he he's showing lots of emotion. He is he's manipulating Jin, who's another human gear. Like he is he he's been I mean it it's been shown he's been awake for like decades anyways. So in theory, like uh the show this episode in particular is implying uh that he was the terrorist behind the uh the Sunrise City incident where there was a human gear uprising and many many people died and an entire city was sunk into the ocean. Uh but with how hard they're implying it it just makes me think more and more that he was not actually the person behind it. I do not believe he was the person in that video. Yeah, there there there's some distortion on the voice that could just be the connection or could be someone using voice changer. Also, for the record, uh, you was faceless boss, still faceless this episode. Just gonna hang that lampshade right there. So Aruto says, like, you know, you're wrong. Human gears are the advancement mankind has dreamed of. But off to the side, the medical robots start laughing hysterically and turn into trilobites. Yes. Now what follows is a uh, a five-way fight between the three heroic common uh, riders and the two villainous common riders. And everyone's kind of using the same tech. Like... Uh, the evil ones, they're using bows that they stole uh, from uh, from the uh, research facility. And everyone's kind of using very similar technology. It's kind of fun to see just such evenly matched people going up against each other. Yep. Jin has one of the shotgun suitcases that Fu was using earlier. 
little assassin gets uh, sent off to the side with Aruto, and they kind of have a one-on-one where Aruto has to, like, use a combination of powers. He uses a Biting Shark to block its blades, then Freezing Bear to uh, freeze it in place, then the the Fire One to kill it. Uh, Yua is fighting with a arm that was uh, crippled in the previous fight, and so the show has nice continuity there. Uh, we definitely see Jin focusing on uh, her weakened left arm, uh, WWE style, and you know it's it's working, it's getting through. Fua is shouting about like how you know you you were the one who did the daybreak incident, you ripped my life apart twelve years, and Jin doesn't care. He transforms into stinging scorpion with a pretty cool transformation, like one of those those energy things shows up and stabs him in the chest with its stinger and kind of wraps around to put him in the suit. And so we see the stinging scorpion common rider, thus continuing the seven episode streak of a new common rider or transformation in every single episode. Fua freaks out. He starts firing his gun over and over, over like shouting. He he fires his fist like rocket fists. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a second, it looks like he might have done something, but then Jin uses a Hercules well, not Jin. beetle. Oh yeah. Uh, Hirobi uses a Hercules beetle in the bow thing and knocks Fuwa on his ass. Yeah, he straight up no-sold all the attacks that Fuwa was doing and just downs him hard. And as Fuwa stumbles up, uh, his stinging scorpion tail strikes out and hits him in the throat straight through the costume, detransforming him. Yeah. Like, that Uh, looked like a straight up killing blow right there. It's... Uh, I, that, that's the, the episode ends on him doing the finisher right on the neck and him going down hard. And I really thought for a second that he was killed here. Yeah, it, it looks like he murdered this common Rider. And I, honestly, I was kind of hoping he killed him. Like, Fuwa's whole shtick is, it's really getting annoying. As someone who likes, likes human gears, he's just a big racist and he's not like developing or anything. He's just digging deeper and deeper. Oh, but see, like, that, I think that's the point of this two-parter. Because we're ending here, and the preview of the next episode is Doctors Racing to Save Fuwa's Life. You know, Human Gear Doctors. So, I'm assuming that uh, Fuwa's going to live. Almost certainly. And this might be kind of the start of a redemption-ish arc, where he has to accept that Human Gears are partially responsible for, you know, him being alive. He starts to see some of the good in them. And Arturo starts to crack his shell a little bit, which is why they were leaning so hard into his assholeness in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I just, if they, if that's why they were doing it, okay, but, like, I, I really hope they start doing something new with him. Honestly, I would have just loved the the change in stakes if they just murdered him right away. Because sometimes... That would have com- been a baller move. Yeah, well, I mean, Sam, and there's some shows you haven't seen and some shows now you have where important characters die pretty early. Yeah, I do not believe I've seen any of the... Well, I mean, I guess Kamen Rider double Kirihiko. But he yeah. last he lasted about 20 episodes and maybe 25. And he kind of had a telegraphed ending. Yeah. But that's the closest I've seen so far in a Kamen Rider where a major player goes down super hard super early. But uh, anything else to say about Zero One before we get back to Gaim? No, it was it was an interesting episode. Like they've they have giant mechs, Harry. <laughs> like, I really hope they're they're about to stop doing Human Gear of the Week. 
because that's getting a little old. Uh, especially if they keep dying. Like, if they survived sometimes, that would be okay. But, like, it, it's getting harder to get attached. Now, did the nurse die? Like, yeah, she it, she was the one that was laughing hysterically as she turned. Well, I know she turned. She turned. Was Did she explode? I mean, they they had to have destroyed her. I don't think any did, were Did left. they have to have destroyed her, Harry? Like, the, if they're going into a soft two-parter... And there wasn't an on-screen explosion. I mean, I I assume that the mooks being wiped out is enough of a given thing that they would have to show some getting away for that to be, for that to matter. I mean, if they change it later on, they they could change it, but. I'm calling it right now. She survived. All right, well, I'd be glad for you to call some things and be wrong. Oh, but sometimes you're right. Anyway, Kamen Rider game. <laughs> nice to be back to Gaim. Hello, Zawame City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and showing that it was a good point to come back to, uh, episode 12 of Kamen Rider Gaim starts with our main characters recapping. <laughs> recapping the previous 11 episodes. Yeah. So they are fresh out of that whole fight in the forest, and Michi and Kota are in the Team Gaim clubhouse, and they are saying, yeah, so the forest is called Helheim, uh, the Invis live there and come to Earth through cracks. Yagdrasil is going there through a crack. They convert the fruits into lock seeds. Uh, we were guinea pigs, and they gave us the lock seeds and drivers to make us fight. I really do appreciate a good what do we know montage uh, that occurs, you know, uh, diagenetically, like in the fiction of a universe. I will also say that these guys put a lot of effort into this particular chart. Like, there's a lot of drawings with just a lot of colors, very yeah, like well- neon looking uh, artwork behind them. Yeah, good colored chalk on a on a blackboard. Uh, also, uh, Michi, definitely not saying everything he knows in this "What Do We Know" montage. This yeah. would be a theme for the next three episodes. Uh, this will be a theme for a bit longer. <laughs> anyway, uh, the white rider was observing them, and Michi starts to tell him, "Hey, I I don't think we should transform for now." Uh, mm-hmm. But they are ambushed by a couple fans. And then the fans are ambushed by a couple invests. Yes. Uh, the main character, Amichi, uh, they refuse to sign the... Uh, they refuse to give autographs to the fangirls, you know, thus showing the toxicity of celebrity. Uh, but, yes, immediately after the main character tells Michi that they're not going to transform, he transforms to fight off the invests that are attacking these two girls. Yeah, I mean, and while it happens, Michi is yelling at him, Kota, I thought we weren't going to transform. Like, Helheim has eyes everywhere. Uh, or Yagdrasil has eyes everywhere. Uh, speaking of Yagdrasil, uh, the goons show up uh, after the main character, uh, Kota, destroys a monster. Uh, Yagdrasil goons arrive, and they have leveled the fuck up. This is Island 2 of Infamous Harry. Like, these guys are full-on common Rider goons. Yeah, uh, turns out Yagdrasil is mass-producing the belts for their security forces, and the form that they choose to use is the uh, Kurokage troopers, the the spearmen, 
form that Hase used to use. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's just like how many, like a dozen of them in this scene, uh, burning down all the uh, all the plants that have uh, come out of the crack and sealing it up. So we we cut to Baron standing on a kind of deserted area and staring angrily into the into the emptiness. Oh, he is such a sexy bad boy as he broods. But yeah. my yes, my runs into Baron, and they have a flashback meet cute. Baron used to live around here, and he knows that there was a shrine that had a like holy tree and like a sacred forest that all got just cut down and destroyed when Yagdrasil rolled in. And my shrugs and says, "Yep, uh, I know because that was the shrine my dad worked at. I when when I was growing up, I was hoping that I could become a priestess there and you know dance in the festivals. Mm-hmm. And par- part of my interest in dancing in the city is keeping that tradition alive. They have a uh." picture-in-picture flashback where behind them we see their two child forms as they're meeting and locking eyes for the first time as their, you know, young 20-something forms are in the front just just having all the sexual tension. Uh, this is this is one of the more hetero Kamen Rider series, I guess. <laughs> uh, too bad she's going to die. I mean, Especially maybe. because, like, you know, after Baron storms off, Mai gets to meet Ghost Future Mai. <laughs> she shows up and says, hey, uh, there's still many fates you can choose. You can leave the city, leave your dumb Kota and Kaito and have your own life. You can still have your choice of new futures if you do. But if you follow your feelings, there's only a single fate and you're not going to be able to choose anymore soon. Oh, Ghost Mai with your 100% fail rate of modifying the past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she knows, right? Like, this is like a time travel paradox. Because if if this is a true time travel loop... Then she would have seen herself in the past, realize, oh, I'm not going to change any. Like, is she just, is this like a Kurt Vonnegut book? Is she just doomed to cycle and cycle? Never, like, never changing anything? Uh, a little bit. Like, there's there's some stuff going on here where this is, uh, some, some of the writing pulls some kind of annoying tricks later that you'll probably complain about. No, I probably will if there's a time travel plot, Harry. You know I hate those when they're not handled, like, immaculately. I mean, it's... Eh, well, we'll get there, but... Yes. Uh, but the scene, it does emphasize the importance of having a time travel secret password. Everyone, remember a secret password so that if someone from the future shows up and says that they know you from the future, you can ask them what the password is. Oh yeah, like I got one. Sam, what's yours? I'm not gonna fucking tell you, Harry. You passed the test. Good. So Kota is saying, hey, why don't we just tell people what Yagdrasil is doing? But Michi says, no, we, we have to do this ourselves. We can't let people find out. Because Michi is thinking, I'm kind of having a secret double life, and it's hanging by a thread anyways, and I don't want those two parts uh, colliding. Yes, Michi is kind of holding back this operation, even though he is still clearly the brains of the operation. Yeah. And when Kota pushes, he slams his hands on the table and says, hey, Yagdrasil is silencing people. Do you want the White Rider coming after Mai? Like, not not directly and not in a malicious way, probably, but he is kind of threatening Mai as part of Kota's actions. Yeah, Michi is not a nice person. Uh, he says, well, we'll have to tell Mai and everybody someday, but don't tell them now. For now, we're just learning about Yggdrasil and Helheim. Don't use your driver. The more we do, it's better for them. We then cut to a, a Baron versus Wild Rider dance-off. 
And here we see that Dark Lord didn't realize that his belt was broken. Yeah, it's super messed up. Baron has shown up to challenge him for the stage, and he tries to fight, but uh, it's it's broken. He desperately even summons a tiny single invest to fight Baron off, hopefully, but he, he literally stands there as its attacks bounce off. He just kind of flicks it away at some point. Like, it's it's the saddest thing, especially because, oh no, oh no, the leader of Wild Riders is clearly doomed now. Yeah, and starts getting sadder because Jonichi, his his friend, was standing to the side and says, hey, why didn't you help me? We're in the lines. And Jonichi says, Team Invito was here to take the stage from you. Baron just beat us to it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's getting to be in a real hard place. Like Even his scruffy friends in similar leather jackets walk off. Mm-hmm. He's all alone now. And Jonichi says, well, time to find myself a new doormat. Yeah. We then jump to uh, uh, Michi and uh, Kota uh, having another conversation in front of like some random river or lake or whatever. We we see where Jonichi goes. He goes to talk to Orin. Oh right, 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 right. Uh, he he begs for some help to become a real man and learn how to fight. And uh, or Orin, we get a recap of where he was at because he saw the White Rider in the forest and immediately fell in love with his beautiful fighting style. <laughs> he has been trying to recreate him in pastry form, even yeah. though it does not capture his essence. But he is a master, he will keep trying. Yeah. And uh, he finds out that Jonichi is a Virgo, which is okay. So, hey, uh, so start whipping this up before it sets. And, you know, I'll, I'll make something out of you. So now uh, we jump to the, you know, uh, the lake or the river of uh, a mental trauma where Michi and uh, Kota are having a very deep conversation about the responsibility of what they have to do in this current situation. Like... Michi is clearly the Pa Kent of the group. He is the Rorschach. Like, he is willing to let people get hurt and die to maintain secret identity. When Kota asks if he regrets having become an armored rider, Michi says, no, this belt gave me the power to fight my own battles for the first time. We're going to figure out Helheim's mysteries and Yagdrasil's plans, whatever it takes. Then there is a monster attack, where a a trio of the up-leveled Invis are attacking groups of civilians, uh, Michi says, don't transform. Kota, of course, transforms. And as Kota's just stomping the fuck out of these invests, we cut back to Michi repeatedly as we see just his face and soul just be torn, being torn apart. Like, at the end, after Kota has destroyed all the invests, they he detransforms and they just stare at each other for a while, having a pretty deep moment, actually. Yeah, like, like it... it... Uh, Kota does end up beating them, but it was pretty close at a couple points. Like, he he was losing and had to turn it around. He could have used some help, but... Michi refused to help. They are both men of principles, and they they have an opposite read of the situation. Uh, so, we cut to some Kurokage troopers in the, in the Helheim forest. And they're surrounding Takatora, who gets his new belt, the Genesis belt. Sam, they've developed energy drinks. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, the villains of the series are soda-based. That's wonderful. So he slaps it on, now he's Shin Zengetsu, which is pretty much just the same, but instead of a shield and sword, he has a bladed bow. 
lots in this episode, like both uh, villain teams like got bow weapons at the same time. Well, it's really good for toys, Harry. Like you could just have the Nerf bow. Yeah. And he beats up all the guards inside a holodeck and they're all very badly hurt. And the villains say that they're ready for mass production. Yeah. And Takatura says, well, now that we have gotten the data, our street rats have served their purpose. It's time someone gave them a taste of reality. Dun, dun, dun. And that's the end of episode 12. In episode 13, uh, we begin with a new story of an infection spreading. Kota is at home, hanging out with his sister, writing a resume in crayon, as far as I can tell. Oh, Kota. He mentions that he completed middle school, but not high school. Oh, oh, main character. But then his sister calls him into the room to watch a special report about local uh, local citizens succumbing to a mystery infection. Yeah, it seems to be associated with people who have been attacked by Inves, those monsters that are being used in the Inves game. And his sister turns to him and says, wait, you use Inves all the time. You're a beat writer. Go to the hospital. Get your friends checked out right now. Yeah, some nice sister drama. We cut to a scene then uh, with the villains, like all four of them, uh, sitting in some kind of lobby. We see Sid. We see the brother. Uh, we see the scientist. And then we see a holographic DJ. Uh, Takatora is talking about how we have their first infected showing up among the civilians. And the scientist isn't surprised. The crack appearance is up 12 times what it was in the last year. They, <laughs> they can't quarantine it right now. They don't know enough to do it quickly. It'll just cause more panic. So suppress as much as possible and continue the project as planned. I don't think these guys have a good end game. Uh, well, you, you'll see their end game. This, this thing is spreading and clearly getting out of control. Or rather, do they think they control it? Do they think they know how to close it? Like... Harry, these are important questions. They are important questions that have answers. Yeah, but uh, we then cut to the juice bar. Dark Lord is looking for Sid, uh, who ghosted away with his uh, golden like lock seed, which apparently never comes up again. And he's looking for a replacement belt for the one that was destroyed previously. Yeah. Uh, but Sid isn't there, and he, Hase gets reduced to wandering through the city, having kind of PTSD flashes of the Inves attacking him and then the various armored riders that have been beating his ass. Like, I wasn't clear, like, if this was if this was some kind of malady or if it was just straight-up stress and trauma that was finally getting to him because he used to be able to fight these things, but now he cannot. Uh, I, I think it's stress. Like, it's not fun being a child soldier, even if it's a, in a dance war. Uh, the dance wars. Who survived the dance wars, Harry? At the villain meeting, DJ Sagra had a bit of a thing at the end where he said, hey, you know, your plan is great, but if you shut down things right now, the the beat riders have a bunch of belts, they may be a problem. Then Takatora said, don't worry, I have a plan. It turns out his plan is to get some very nice cake. <laughs> yeah, he, he goes to Charmant, meets with Orin, and says, yep, yeah, your, your skills as a patissier are brilliant, but that's not what I'm looking for. I need a mercenary. Yes, I need a soldier who has seen real combat. We cut to Team Gaim, who are... So, Harry, in, like, a zombie scenario and an affection scenario, a hospital is the last fucking place you actually want to be. But they don't they don't realize it's becoming a zombie infection scenario. Like, this is, this is early on. Uh, but they go in, and it is chaos. 
Also, people recognize them as beat writers and start to kick their ass. Yeah, like, hey, you're those people who have weird monsters from other dimensions that have been fighting. It's been hurting people randomly. Like, just now when it's not actually you, you doing it is when we realize this and start turning on you. Oh, the fickle, fickle public. They were so entertained by everything going on. And still no one seems to question where the hell lock seeds are coming from. Like, it is, is anyone actually asking those questions? I mean... Does Yogdrasil public... have so much control over the media that they have suppressed all questioning of like, hey, what exactly is a lock seed? I mean, they've infiltrated the social media. They're manipulating people. Like, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's been shown to have real world effects. Uh, they're Russian trolls. Yeah. A doctor comes up to the Gaim team and just guilt trips the fuck out of them. He says, you need to see what you have done. Oh, doctor, you should know better than that. Yeah. So he, he drags them to a secluded ward where there's a bunch of people screaming and thrashing as there are vines growing out of their skin. This is real bad. Apparently, everyone who has been wounded by one of the invests, like, uh, like a significant wound, like a claw wound, a cut wound, something that would, you know, spread some kind of toxin or infection. Uh, they are sprouting vines. They are going to die. Like, including one of the people that Kota saved at the beginning of last episode? Yes, the girl took a cut on an arm, and now her arm is growing uh, evil alien vines. So, Team Baron is off dancing uh, on the street, and for some reason, people are not as into it anymore. The public is turning on them. They're booing him, they're uh, rallying up to attack him, and so, hey, uh, Baron leader, he decides to go full heel. And he says, hey, you guys are worried about Invis? Let me summon a few. Prove you're stronger than us. You're all talk, you cowards. But then a man shows up. You play the villain with such aplomb, Monsieur Banana. I'm Pierre Alphansorin, and on the stage, I play the hero. Hero Durian. Uh, the, a crowd forms to watch him fight Baron, and they're cheering him on, and he is loving it. He is digging it. Yeah. He, he's shouting about how he's he's defending those civilians from the villain. And, uh, like, Baron is losing, but losing less than he did before. Mm-hmm. But then uh, a stray attack hits part of the speaker setup and badly hurts Pekko, one of Baron's teammates. And we get to see a real, you know, we get to see the softer side of Baron as Durian is taunting him, saying, Hey, are you going to finish the fight or are you going to go after that weakling? And Baron goes to help his friend. We'll finish this next time. Yeah, and and Bravo just kind of stands against the setting sun and like does a cold response with the with the crowd. <laughs> By the way, Harry, does no one here remember that Bravo summoned a swarm of like twenty invis like three episodes ago? Yeah, that was pretty bad. He shouldn't have done that. He really shouldn't have done that. Like, how many people in the hospital are a direct result of that? I mean, I guess he, uh, probably a few. Or, or, like, was the infection not spreading back then? Like, was whatever leakage is happening from the other dimension not strong enough to trigger this thing yet? Uh, that might actually be... I might have an answer to that, but it'd probably be spoilery. But yeah, so now Baron, or uh, now uh, Bravo, uh, gets to put out a hit video against the rest of the Beat Riders. He says that he has enslaved a Beat Rider in his cafe, and now he will... And now he will defend the city's populace. Yes, he's re-educating these children, starting with Jodachi, who's now just doing patissier work. Uh, Mai is very into this. She wants to be enslaved by this patissier. 
Yeah, she wants to work at Charmant's. The, the cakes are great. But then Kota says, hey, uh, everything about the Invest cases is going to be blamed on us. We need to we need to convince people. And Michi realizes, oh, Yagdrasil knew this was going to happen. We weren't just test subjects. We're scapegoats. Yeah. Michi, once again, being a couple steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. So, Sam, at this point, like, <laughs> it it made a lot of sense for them to give these belts to dance groups, didn't it? Uh, well, I mean, no, no. Like, they're, they're still, like, I mean, this is still, like, act one of a zombie movie, Harry. Like, this is science, like, you know, poking where science should not be poking. Like, bad shit is gonna happen and it's gonna get out of control. Yeah, it's great to have a scapegoat. If you have control of the situation, if you don't have control of the situation, scapegoats kind of don't matter. So a dragon invest pops through a crack and starts attacking people in that warehouse that's used all the time in these Toku shows. Yes, the Toku warehouse. Yeah. Koto shows up and he has a moment where it's like, even if I fight it off, they're going to end up blaming me. But he's the hero, so he transforms and it's about to fight. Uh, But then he is, let's see, is this where he's jumped? Yeah, he's jumped by Bravo. Yes. Time to tell the score. And Kota, like, he has to start defending himself, and the Invest runs off. And Kota points out, hey, the Invest is going to start attacking people. And Bravo says quietly, eh, that's not actually my problem. I've taken a contract, and I'm a professional, and my job is to beat you up, not save people. This infuriates Kota, and he starts to fight back even harder. Still losing, though. Until Baron shows up, and we get to see a guy and Baron team up. Like, finally. Like, they're fighting side by side and, like, mirroring each other's actions as they go uh, head-to-head against Bravo. Yep. Baron even swaps to Mango Power and gives and gives Kota his banana power. Uh. I appreciated the symbolism, the symbolism of this, if not, you know, especially the tactics of it. I'm not sure what the banana transformation has that, say, the orange does not yeah, I mean, it's, he doesn't, he has a spear, but he doesn't really use it like a spear. He uses it like a sword, and his base form is sword power. Uh, it's not just sword power, it's sword with gun power. It's sword and then gun sword. It's two swords. That could be a double sword. Yeah, it, it almost seems like the banana is a downgrade. It, it, it kind of is. Uh, so they fight, and they actually manage to push Bravo back. He, he shouts like, when did you get the strong? So he retreats, at which point the Melon Knight shows up. Uh, it uh, Shinzangetsu is beating on the Dragon Invest. And as Hase kind of wanders in in a daze, he sees the Invest eat a bunch of the fruits that are growing on a truck and get real big. So the uh, Melon Knight, uh, he is distracted away from uh, the other two common Riders, and he very handily just frags this Invest. Like, with his bow, he powers it up, he hits the nerf icon a couple times, and he just destroys it. And he turns to take on the two heroes. But in the background, Hase is making a decision. A very bad decision. He sees the fruit, he saw the monster get big, and so, being sad and not having power, he decides to eat some of the fruit. Yep, he wants some of the power they have. And so he eats it, and uh, Dangetsu turns and sees it, and he says, no, spit that out right now. Mm-hmm. And then he transforms into a monster that looks suspiciously similar to the monster from the first episode. Yeah. 
And so sad. Do you see why I didn't want to stop things after this episode? Yeah, I did. I did. Like, you know, sorry, I didn't realize we were going a full three episodes. Uh, But I'm very happy that we went one more because holy shit, this next episode is crazy. Yeah. Guy, I'm 14. Yes. We start the episode with the Melodite saying, God damn it, we were too late. He ate it. Now he's infected and he's not human anymore. And we have to destroy your friend. He lines up a shot, but Kocha smacks it out of the way, saving Hase. Uh, temporarily. So they start shouting, having an argument, like, you know, you you can't kill him, he's still a person, he hasn't done anything. Uh, Zangetsu doesn't believe that. Kota goes uh, to find Hase and, you know, try and stop him, try and talk some sense into him. Uh, Baron stays behind to uh, deal with the Melon Knight and is pretty handily beaten. Yeah, like, he, he owed him one, so he stalls him just long enough for Kota to try to save Hase. It doesn't work. Like, Kota does manage to, you know, he talks down the monster, and he gets Hase to detransform, like, like half. He he looks like something from, you know, the thing, where half of his body is monster and the other half is human. Yeah, he, uh, uh, come on, he, like, he detransforms in front of the monster, say, like, no, I, I'm Kota Kazuraba from Gaim, you're hurt, let's get to the hospital. And... Hase is kind of twitching and freaking out, and uh, eventually runs off. After backhanding him with his monster hand. Where does the Melanite point out that the belts that the heroes are using are all prototypes and it cannot stand up to a completed driver? Is that right now as he's uh, lording over Baron? Yeah, that's right here. Like, he manages manages to knock out Baron, saying, like, yeah, you, you can't handle this. Like, you're using old tech, and did you really think you stood a chance against Yagdrasil? And this is when Baron realizes, oh, these fuckers are Yogdrasil. <laughs> yes. Also, on the subject of uh, prototype belts, all the moops, all the moops, like, confirmed with drivers. Like, the exact same drivers that the heroes are using. This, uh, Harry, does this series technically have the most common riders? Because it it's up to, like, several dozen. Well, technically the series has no common riders, because in this series they're armored riders. If they were common riders, would it technically have the most? <sighs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it would. So, uh, the next scene is uh, Michi uh, confronting his brother outside of their house. His brother is going to work, and Michi is going to school, more or less. Michi is trying to pup him for intel, but the brother is very resilient. This, uh, The brother is very resilient this particular morning. Yeah, saying like, hey, just focus on your studies, just stay inside, you can't let anything distract you. And he gets into his car and drives off. Uh, Team Gaim, they're feeling the heat and they're hiding out with their greased lightning car. Uh, They're commiserating that the public is turning against them and that there's some kind of weird zombie infection spreading. At which point Kota shows up and he is asking if anyone has seen Haze. It is very important, but he cannot tell them why. Yeah, just uh, don't approach him he's dangerous but and i can handle him but uh yeah i'm not gonna explain things and oh, as he runs kota kota well, like Mi- Mi- michi told him like not to explain stuff and kota doesn't kota isn't ready to go against that advice yet for good or ill uh for ill for 100 ill like it's i get that trying to maintain secrecy is important but there is some very important and pertinent information that is about to, you know, kill one of his friends. 
that the team is, is saying to himself, yeah, do you think Michi and Koto are keeping some secrets? I really think they are. And my stare is annoyed as he leaves. Uh, so we cut to uh, Michi's brother getting out of his car uh, into his building, and then a set of legs come out of the back seat where he wasn't looking. Michi snuck behind his brother and is infiltrating Yegdrasil. He uses the amazing power of just kind of dashing while crouched and people not looking at the security cameras when they're looking right at him. I will say that this is like, he's wearing some expensive fucking shoes. These are probably the fanciest shoes I've ever seen anyone sneak around a corporate building in. Well, I mean, he, he's secretly super rich. Like, it kind of makes sense. Also, he's supposed th- to be going to school. Like, so he was, he's still wearing his school clothes. Then back at Drooper's, the fruit bar that everybody hangs out at. Uh, it's just like a nice day where everyone's sitting around. But then Hase staggers it. Uh, he is kind of covering up his monster half at the moment, so no one quite realizes it. But everyone knows that he's, you know, in trouble. Uh, several members of Team Gaim approach him. They say, hey, hey, I can help you. Harry, wouldn't it have been really, really nice if Kota had explained that he was kind of turning into a monster uh, and they should avoid him for fear of getting infected? Yeah. He starts chowing down on some earth fruit and freaking out because, as we've seen, Hellheim monsters aren't really able to eat those anymore. And when when Rat goes in to kind of try to stop him, he gets slashed. Technically, I believe Rat was uh, protecting another member of Team Gaim. Uh, who was moving into Helpase, but, you know, that's just for the extra drama points. Kota sees the ambulance driving through the city, and Kai realizes, oh, uh, that might that might be connected to Hase, the timing is a bit bad. He sees Bando, who, and Bando, I gotta say, kind of impressed me in the scene, because he was shouting at everybody, stay back, this guy doesn't look good, and he explains things to Kota right away. Like, he, he transformed into a monster and ran off. We then cut to a commercial, Harry, uh, for some new toys! Some new soda-based belt toys, which I did not realize was a spoiler. They really do show off the, like, new generation riders right before they show up. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm really not used to commercials just spoiling the fuck out of a show that they're appearing during. Yeah, that's how it's done. I guess so, they got a formula, and I guess it's working for them. Michi is still sneaking through the Ogdrasil Corporation. He gets to the underground room with the big crack in a tree that they're sending uh, supplies through. Uh, he's doing a very good job sneaking around the slab, despite appearing on every security camera ever. Like, is he doing a good job, or does the security here just straight up suck? I, I, It's probably a mix of both. Probably more than the latter, honestly. Like, this place just got infiltrated by beat riders. Do they not remember that? Like... After an incursion like that, security's supposed to be on point for a couple weeks. Well, they came in through the other side from the other dimension, though. Like, I bet that part's that part has more security, but the, he is infiltrating through Earth. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michi, Michi goes towards a boardroom where he sees his brother talking with Sid, and they're uh, talking about scandalous things and also very pertinent information that he really needed right then. The Genesis driver is complete, and so they've got a big milestone in their plan. Yeah, so now we're shifting our resources to cost reduction to improve mass production. And Sid cuts in like, hey, did Ryoma sign sign off on that? Takator says, it doesn't matter what Ryoma thinks. (laughs) Sid kind of chuckles at that. Yeah, so uh, the category H has been cited, and you're going to come and see for yourself what the Genesis drivers can do. Uh, They leave uh, to go see that thing. Michi sneaks in and immediately gets into all the secret security files, 
uh, which of course they had left unlocked. Yeah, like don't leave your workstation unlocked if you have the the plot files on it. Yeah, especially if you're a secret villain organization. So he starts looking through some case files where Ryoma Sengoku is is narrating to the camera, like, hey, so this is the flora of Helheim. Its rapid reproduction and growth are notable, but the real danger is the effects of the fruit. It rapidly rewrites the DNA of its host and transforms it into an entirely different creature. And he demonstrates this by taking a little bit of a fruit and feeding it into a rat, which becomes a tiny rat-sized invest. It's so adorable, Harry. I want it as a pet. Yeah, little baby invest. But no, the things we're fighting aren't rat-sized. They're people-sized. I wonder if that's significant. (laughs) Yeah. So then we jump to Kota finally tracking down Hase. Uh, Hase has uh, fully transformed back into the monster at this point, and he is starting to attack people. Kota says, if you're still doing this, then you're not Hase anymore. And he transforms to fight him. The tears streaming down his face as he does so. Yeah, he tries to fight defensively at first, but he's forced to attack more and more, to knock him down, to drive him back into a wall. And he stands there, about to finish him off, and can't do it. We jump back to Michi uh, as he is watching the secret files, which he got in the exact perfect order for some reason. And hey, it's their friend Yuya from the first episode. Yeah, What's he, he doing? He, uh, so the file labeled from the day he went missing. He's, we see Yuya in the forest with the driver. But first he sees a delicious looking fruit, eats it, and turns into the invis that Kota fought and killed. Yes, if the audience does not put this together, uh, there's helpful footage of the warehouse where they had their first fight, where we get to see uh, Kota killing his best friend, Yuya. Yeah. (laughs) The subject was destroyed by Test Subject 01. He'll be a good source of data. And Michi collapses back because things are just now getting real. Yes. Oh, Michi, Michi. Like, Michi is really good at keeping secrets, but... Damn, I get the feeling this one is going to come out at an inopportune time. Uh, so Kota, he's dropped a sword and he's grabbing Hase by the shoulders, doing the full odd, like, I know you're in there. I don't want to do this. Please wake up. We're kind of like we see inside Kota's head where he's looking at the monster and he can see like Hase uh, just inside of him. Like we kind of get flashes where the monster transforms back into Hase and then back into the monster. It's not actually doing so. This is just entirely the perception of the main character. So as he's standing there and doing that, on a nearby ledge, four figures are perched dramatically. They're wreathed in shadow, but it's pretty easy to figure out who some of them are. Yeah, and they all transform using soda drivers. Yeah, melon energy, cherry energy, lemon energy, and peach energy. There's four more fucking riders, Harry. This this show, it, it never has never-ending riders. Well, I mean... One of them is Zangetsu, who blasts guy with an arrow and uh, turns to Cherry and says, this happened because of your little games. Clean up. Yes. So Sid jumps down to do so. Yeah. And Sid uh, is not Kota. He does not hesitate. He brutalizes the Invis. Kota's uh, standing in a fountain. He is covered in water. He is screaming, no, no, that's Haze. He's a human being. He's our friend. But Sid basically shrugs and fires a cherry bomb at Hase and vaporizes him. To be vaporized by an attack that has like a, 
a cherry spinning overlay on it, Harry. That is a pretty embarrassing way to die. Insult to injury. Sid detransforms. He says, hey, I don't know what you're complaining about. I just killed a monster. Seems like I'm a hero. Kota flips out, but is stopped by a bunch more Kurokage troopers. They show up, knock him out, and Kota is now captured. So we had four new riders up there. So we had Sid, and then we had, you know, Michi's brother, whose name I still cannot remember at all, even though you just said it 30 seconds ago. Takatora Zangetsu is his rider name. We have two other people. Uh, I'm going to go out a limb and say that the big looking one, that's probably the DJ. Uh, but there's also one that is clearly a female. And for the life of me, I cannot remember a woman hanging out with any of these guys. I mean, I'll I'll say the lady is a new character. Okay, so we ha- it's not someone that I've forgotten. Like, it is someone that is going to be introduced in this uh, villain group who has not okay. been there before. The, the lady is an entirely new character. But the lemon one is not. You have seen the lemon person. Is it the DJ? Uh, we'll see. It It's the DJ, isn't it? Is it the DJ? We'll, we'll get there. But next episode, Sam, uh, our characters are trapped in the Yggdrasil Corporation. They get to do the Star Wars escape where they're uh, behind enemy lines. And they get to dress up as stormtroopers, maybe get upgraded material and belts. And uh, this is the point where the plot really starts to take off for Kamen Rider Gang. I mean, if this is where it starts to really... Harry, we're killing, like, we're killing major characters. We just killed a Kamen Rider. There was a Kamen Rider death this episode. Yeah, so? Sad, this, the series is going some places. Ugh, it's going some places pretty fucking fast. And now, uh, next week, we are continuing with Kamen Rider Guy, Escape from the Yggdrasil Corporation. And in Kamen Rider Zero One... Would you, Sam, alright, here, here's the bet for next week. Do you think the human gear they introduce will live? See, I think it's going to be a continuation of the nurse. That's my bet. I bet the nurse is the sentient droid that is going to be next week. All right. My bet is that the nurse is dead. And we'll figure that out in seven days. 